I have to depart from my homily just a bit about the bells. You know, when we rang them on Friday to prepare, make sure everything was working, they bring back such poignant memories for anybody that lived on the hill, as I did for six years. They uh, called the monks to prayer and us many times on feast days. They would ring for five minutes, as we did this morning. And uh, whenever one of the brothers died, they would toll one bell for each year that they lived. And they did that from the 1920s until 2013. So there's a shared memory there. And I think it's, it's fitting, really, to do this on the day that we're dedicating our, we're, we're blessing all of our uh, time capsule things, because this, too, is a, is a shared memory that will be bequeathed to the future and memories that do not die. Um, Jesus today in the gospel, he's just beginning his ministry, you know, and, and yes, last week we heard that he went to a synagogue and his words filled people with amazement at this. And nobody had heard of him yet. He was just, just beginning, you know, and go to Capernaum, a small town. And then afterward, he went off to the home of Simon and his, and his extended family, and Simon and Andrew, along with uh, James and John, who were partners in their fishing business. So they went in and immediately encountered Simon's mother-in-law, which raises all sorts of questions about Simon's wife and things that are not answered in the scriptures. But we can see that, that this was Jesus' first entrance into this house because uh, he's encountering the mother-in-law for the first time. And she's sick. She represents all the sick that Jesus is going to cure. And he heals her, and she immediately goes and waits on them and, and offers hospitality, which is uh, one of the Benedictine models is hospitality. Uh, so there she is, offering hospitality. But one other thing she does, she probably leans out the window and tells her neighbor, guess what he did? <laughs> and being a small town, if any of you have been in a small town in Oregon, you know that a secret doesn't stay a secret very long. And everybody in town found out where Jesus lived, probably because of that mother-in-law. And they come to the door to be healed, but not right away. Jesus has a break after that. They don't come until sunset. Why do you suppose they wait till sunset? Didn't notice that. Anybody know? It's the Sabbath. Right. And they don't want to be seen as a lawbreaker to come and ask for a healing, which is considered work, which gets Jesus in trouble later. They wait till sundown. But it's kind of like Black Friday. Can you imagine them all can't wait for the, for the thing to end so they can get in line first? You know, whenever it's Good Friday, I'm dying for a hamburger every year. Sometimes I wait till midnight so I can grab one. So these people, they can't wait to get in line. You see them pushing at the door. The whole town is there. And Jesus, you know, he's fully God and fully human. As, as God, he's omniscient. But as a human being, he became like us. He accepted limitations, the limitations of a human brain, the access to omnipotence with his Father. But he had to pray, like we do, to receive this. And so as a human being, as Jesus, the human being, is discovering the effect of his preaching, which was extraordinary. And he had, he, he had to process and the enormous response just from one healing and a talk in a synagogue. So he heals on into the evening, and at some point, no doubt, they dismiss the crowd, say, we've got to go to bed, and they go home. He leaves the work undone. What does he do? I woke up this morning at, I should, probably shouldn't say this, at 3 in the morning. I, I was actually sitting at my table reading, and I fell asleep and woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning. A sign of advancing age, you know. <laughs> and uh, what do you do when you wake up like that? I, I, sometimes I pray a little bit and then go back to sleep. Jesus woke up, and he said, 
I'm going to get out of here. And he sneaks out. He gets away. See, Jesus found it time for prayer. Um, not all of us can pray the same way. A diocesan priest doesn't pray the same as a monk. A lay person, not the same as a priest. A single man, not the same as a married mother with many children. But we all must find time for prayer. God calls us to prayer like the bells out there. When a bell goes off, we've got to pray. And Jesus models this in spite of being in this crowded house. He can't get a, no place to sit, constant people surrounding him. He got up and sacrificed his sleep because it was so important to pray to his father. And he got away. And that's a real model for us. We've got to find time for prayer. Otherwise, we might find ourselves as, as, as active Catholics, all action and no prayer or all prayer, no action. And yesterday, Saturday, I was trying to download my sermon onto my phone, because I usually write it out during the week and then kind of go over what I'm going to say. Wouldn't, wouldn't download, because I hadn't had my phone on this app for a long time. Fifteen different documents were trying to download. Nothing would download. And I thought, all I want is one document. This phone is trying to do everything. This is what we do in, as Christians sometimes. We're trying to do everything, and God just wants one thing. But we haven't prayed. So we're too busy, and this isn't pleasing to God. Or we're, we pray and we don't do anything. That's not pleasing to God. So Jesus goes off to reestablish his vision. Our vision, some of you were here today, or were here yesterday, uh, uh, we, we had a vision 10 years ago of what are we going to do with this parish, you know? Like when I was new here, spiritual visioning and physical visioning, the visioning of catechesis and the vision of building, which I was look, not looking forward to, but we did it. Now we need a new vision. We've got to pray. What do we do now? This is the end of the building project today. We have to go and pray like Jesus did. And Jesus, um, you know, Peter wakes up in the morning and Jesus is gone. These people are back at the door. Where's Jesus? Everybody's looking for him. And Peter forms a posse to go out and look for him. Peter's posse. And, you know, this is Peter's hometown. He knew where, he, he, he knew where Jesus went. They were, they were both just getting to know each other, but Peter finds Jesus, and he goes up to him, and he says, Jesus, where have you been? Don't you know that everyone's looking for you? And Jesus gives him a look. Now, I'm, I'm kind of reading into this a little bit, but I see Jesus going, well, what do you think, Peter? Why do you think I'm here? I got here. I went here to get away. And then Jesus does something very odd, I think. I reflect on this quite often. He says, let's go on. I'm not going to go back and finish all those healings. I'm not going to go back. See, Jesus had a vision, and it was solidified in that prayer he had, sacrificing his sleep. He knew he could get bogged down. and He didn't heal everyone in Galilee. He had something to do. The minute he began to heal, he knew the clock was ticking. He knew his time was limited. You and I have a limited time also. Um, I normally said this in the other two masses, I said this at the end, but since I don't have the mic today, I'll say it now. Uh, I am going to bless the, the things in the, in the time capsule uh, at the end. But the things that you wrote there, it took me a long time to write my three pages. I could have written a master's thesis, another one, <laughs> about building the, the church. But it occurred to me that these three pages I wrote may be the only thing that survives me in 50 years. This little, this little toss-away sheet you put in there, all of our possessions go to someone else. Uh, our lives, remembered by our relatives as we slowly fade away. Think of the three priests that built our parish. Fathers Taft, Reedy, and Blackburn. 
See how quickly time passes, but this little thing will survive us. And we have to have a vision of the future. What vision? We're not leaving a building for them, we're leaving our faith. We pray that this building will be a place of faith in 50 years or 100 years. That's what we left them, just a vehicle for faith. That's what it is. And Jesus invites us to have that vision because without that vision, Jesus would have done what all of us would have done, go back and finish Capernaum before we move on. But that wasn't God's vision. God had something else for Jesus. So we have to bring our, our lives to prayer so that our lives are not like Job said, a drudgery day after day. I shall never see happiness again. Um, instead, we have a vision of the future. We're planning something for the future today, looking back to the past with the bells, and all of us united on one journey, uh, different paths, but the same journey toward God. We pray that Jesus will invest us with his vision for the future as we bring them to him in prayer.